Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Monique. It's 2020. 2020. I was really hoping yes. that on Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve, because yes. it's by ABC, Okay. that they would have Barbara Walters on the stage as the ball was dropping. Why? And say, this is Barbara Walters, <laughs> and this is 2020. Oh, that's right. That's what Wouldn't she used to great? do. That would have been great. But they didn't. Well, maybe because a lot of people don't know who Barbara Walters is. You're showing your age for a change. Probably true. We called Probably. her Barbara Wawa. <laughs> um, well, Happy New Year. And I guess the first thing, I think oh. Happy New Year's are always about resolutions, aren't they? I don't know if I like resolutions. I think I think about things like wish. Uh, what do I wish for myself? And what do I wish for the world? And, and instead of having like a resolution, um, but I think I'd like, I wish that I am going to be more accountable. I wish to be more accountable mm-hmm. to our listeners. Oh, We've Why? been a bit, well, we've been a bit lax this past year because yeah. we've been a little bit distracted. For some of you who might know, Landon and I have been involved with some amazing nurses from across Canada uh, in developing a course called Epic Practice um, Interventions Care course Canada and we've launched three different courses uh, foundations trauma and this year has been really the pediatric piece which has kind of consumed us a little bit which has made this uh, a bit more challenging the podcasts for us to get are a to little us. more challenging as we've tried to I know so we we wish that we are going to, we wish to be more accountable to you and I um, feel that we're going to be much better at getting our podcasts out this year okay are you I, with me? I will hold you to that. I hope so. Because since... Because we all know that you do all the work. And <laughs> I see. I just make fun of you. Okay, then. So anyway, why don't we start? Let's um, start by talking about... Well, gout. Gout. Versus oh. pseudo-gout, actually. Gout. So the reason that this came up upon me is I was on vacation... Is that in you Aust- have gout? Well, no. <laughs> While I was on vacation in Australia visiting with friends, one of my friends, Tim, has been diagnosed with gout. And he was asking me... A bunch of questions about gout and I started to think about how common gout is you started to think I don't really know anything about <laughs> no, gout. why are you asking me <laughs> I know can you not google it no uh, but I, I started to think about how common gout is and the difference between gout and pseudogout because I don't think a lot of people understand the differences between those two things I certainly don't yeah and pseudogout is actually called and we try really hard not to say pseudogout uh, we try to actually call it CPPD, which is calcium pyrophosphate deposition disease, so that we don't confuse the two. But because of that, guess what? I started to think, oh, this would be a really good podcast. So here we go. And because it, I'm going to link it here, because yeah. 25% of our listeners are in Australia. Look at that. It came from Australia. My idea came while I was in Australia. Wow. Shout out to Australians. Yay. I know. Great nurses. All right. Let's start talking about gout. Okay. So gout is a form of inflammatory arthritis that develops in some people who have high levels of uric acid in the blood. And the acid forms these crystals that are shaped like needles and they get in a joint and they cause sudden severe episodes of pain, tenderness, redness, warmth, and swelling. That does sound painful. It does. Like needles inside your joint. Yeah, that like doesn't needle-shaped sound nice. crystals. I yeah. kind of feel like, would, why wouldn't they just form as little crystal balls or something? I don't know. But I think no. it's the way the uric acid creates them, I guess. Yeah. Probably. I wasn't really looking for a scientific explanation there. Oh, okay. There, but... Sorry. 
I was more thinking Disney princess crystal <laughs> okay. ball stuff. But Okay. Anyway, there's several stages of gout. Asymptomatic hyperuricemia is the period prior to the first gout attack and is the word suggests it's asymptomatic and yeah. you have lots of uric acid in your blood. Yeah. Second is acute gout or a gout attack. And that happens when something such as a night of drinking... Which I wouldn't know anything about. Never. No. Causes uric acid levels to spike or moves the crystals around that have formed in a joint triggering the attack. The resulting inflammation and pain usually strike at night and intensify over about 8 to 12 hours. The symptoms ease after a few days and go away in a week to 10 days. Some people never experience a second attack, but it's estimated that about 60% of people who have a gout attack will have a second one within a year. And overall, 84% will have another one within three years. So it's it's kind of a chronic-y thing. Yes, exactly. Interval gout is the time between attacks. Well, that makes sense. That would make sense. Wow, <laughs> they have really done a good job I at think defining so. these words, haven't yeah. they? So interval gout is the time between these attacks. There is no pain, but the gout isn't gone. Mm-hmm. Low-level inflammation may actually be damaging their joints. And this is the time to begin managing their gout. Lifestyle changes, medications to prevent future attacks, or chronic gout. Mm, I bet you that's the last one. That's the last one. Look at that. Chronic gout develops in people with gout whose uric acid levels remain high over a number of years. Attacks become more frequent and the pain may not go away as it used to, and joint damage can occur, which can lead to a loss of mobility. Hmm. Hmm. That's actually a little bit more severe than I had ever thought about I often think about those attacks but never really kind of that chronic thing right right so the underlying cause of gout is really different than what triggers a gout attack it is the result of excess uric acid in the body or hyperuricemia and to diagnose gout a medical history and examining the joint is necessary and we often take a uric acid blood test and a high level of uric acid doesn't necessarily mean the patient has gout just as a normal level doesn't mean you don't have it It's really kind of that plus what you're clinically seeing really is what you need to see. But a joint aspiration looking for uric acid crystals will probably make a definitive diagnosis. However, that's kind of invasive. And so with the advent of more imaging, uh, I know we certainly use this in the hospital that I work at. Uh, We have a dual energy CT, which differentiates between gout versus pseudogout, versus septic arthritis, versus cellulitis, in some atypical presentations, or when it's difficult to get joint fluid out of the joint and or the treatment wasn't improving the symptoms. In fact, I'm going to shout out to our radiology department because I'm very proud of them. Um, Our radiology department published an article in the American Journal of Radiology in 2010 looking at dual energy CT and diagnosing gout. Um, And you may be wondering what the difference is between CT and dual energy CT. Well, a dual energy CT differentiates materials based on their relative absorption of x-rays at different um, photon energy levels. So that's kind of nerdy. Don't you love that? You're so starting to to bark up my physics tree. You were like, oh! I'm like, oh my God, we're talking about (laughs) photonic energy. Exactly. I will back away. Yes, but on the CT... Everyone will push pause <laughs> and never listen to exactly. the end of this. But the cool thing is on the CT, you will see an uptake uh, on that joint itself where the crystals are because the x-ray has been uptaken, uptaked on that on those crystals. Uptaked? Uptaked. That's wrong. Taken up. Taken up. That's a better way of saying it. Anyway, I got all excited. 
So treatment for gout really has two purposes. One is to ease the pain and the inflammation of the acute attacks, and usually you do anti-inflammatories for that. And the second is to control those uric acid levels to prevent further attacks like um, allopurinol, uh, which is a, oh gosh, it's a, it's a tough try one. Try it, try it. Xanthine oxidase Perfect. inhibitor. You got it. Wow. And it reduces the body's production of uric acid. So we kind of know that, right? You see people on allopurinol and anti-inflammatories. As an aside, it's triggering my memory, and people probably need to look this up because I may be wrong, but it's triggering my memory that you shouldn't be taking allopurinol during an acute attack. Hmm. And I'm not sure why. Maybe we'll have to Google that. I may have to Google that and post that. We'll put a postscript on. Yes, but I feel like you should not take it during an acute attack, but I can't remember why. And listen to the end to find out what we Google after we push stop. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk about CPDD mm-hmm. or pseudogout. Calcium pyrophosphate dihydrate crystal deposition disease Oof. or CPDD. Yeah. Which there, there's more words than that in there. Anyway. It doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. That's why we say pseudogout because it's easier. Uh, yeah. Uh, occurs when these crystals form deposits in the joint and surrounding tissues. Very similar. The the crystal deposits cause inflammation in the joint, which can cause the joint cartilage to break down. The disease may take a few different arthritis-related forms. Osteoarthritis, a chronic rheumatoid arthritis like inflammatory arthritis, or an actual painful inflammatory condition called pseudogout. The name pseudogout comes from the fact that it resembles gout. Yeah. But it's not. Not gout. (laughs) Yeah. In most cases, the cause of CPDD is mm-hmm. unknown, although deposits increase as people get older. About half of people over 85 have the crystals, but many of them do not have symptoms. Because CPPD, CPDD yeah. tends to run in families, genes may also play a role. Other possible factors in the development include hemochromatosis, a condition where the body stores excessive iron, low blood magnesium levels, or an overactive parathyroid or severely, un- severely underactive thyroid gland. They're so, doing a lot of guessing, hey? Well, yeah, and so really all of this is like stuff you will never look into in yeah. the emergency department. Exactly. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> About 25% of people with this will experience symptoms of pseudogout. Pseudogout comes in episodes or attacks. They can arrive suddenly, last for days or weeks, and it most commonly affects the knee. The affected joint may be hot, red, swollen, and stiff. Fever may accompany an acute attack, and damage to the joint progresses after years of these attacks. About 5% of people with CPDD deposition will have a chronic rheumatoid arthritis-like condition involving several joints in a symmetric pattern, affecting the same joint on each side of the body, such as both wrists or both knees. Inflammation is low grade as opposed to the intense swelling and pain of pseudogout. Similar to rheumatoid arthritis, this condition is characterized by morning stiffness and fatigue and can lead to joint deformities. As many as half of people with this CPDD deposition have osteoarthritis characterized by a progressive degeneration of several joints, most commonly the knees, followed by the wrists, the metacarpal phalangeal joints where the finger attaches to the hand. Yes, just in case. Hips, shoulders, elbows, and ankles. So pretty well every joint in the body. (laughs) (laughs) The joints involved may become deformed over time. Degeneration may be more advanced on one side. Mm -hmm. And because CPPD resembles other forms of arthritis, it's difficult to diagnose based on a physical exam alone. 
And again, we kind of need to use joint fluid analysis. Um, X-rays might show linear calcification in the cartilage that we call uh, chondrocalcinosis. And we talked already about dual energy CT in diagnosing gout. And there have been some studies that look at dual energy being able to differentiate between gout and pseudogout. It was a very small study though, and so may not be the most helpful. Um, any tests should confirm what your history and physical exam tell you. Like anything. Yeah, I know. I, I think that, that you can't just rely on one thing, right? So treatment for CPPD really is geared towards relieving pain and inflammation and to improve your joint function. So NSAIDs, um, and sometimes even injecting the affected joint with a corticosteroid. But because it's not uric acid, you don't need to give them right. like allopurinol or something like that. And so that was like, okay, there's gout and then pseudogout and a yeah. lot of big words in there. Yeah. I'm actually genuinely confused, confused about the two. So I think it's probably best if we kind of compare the two because I think yeah. that that might clarify it a little bit more. It will for me yes. and I'm all that matters right Okay, now. really. All right. So both gout and pseudogout are types of arthritis. Uh, perhaps more specifically, they're the two most common crystal-induced arthropathies. Gout is caused by monosodium urate monohydrate crystals. Pseudogout is caused by calcium pyrophosphate crystals. So they're different. Different crystals. Okay. The differences between gout and pseudogout include the location and the type of treatment needed. So gout most commonly happens in the big toe. It can also affect joints such as fingers, knee, ankle, and wrist. Wrist, sorry. CPPD typically happens in the knee or other larger joints like your hip or your ankle, elbow, wrist, shoulder, and hand. Um, gout and pseudogout cause very similar symptoms in the joint. Both can cause sudden symptoms or they can be set off by minor injuries such as hitting your knee or elbow against something. And they can cause pain, swelling, tenderness, redness, and warmth at the site of the pain. Okay. Uh, carrying on. Yeah. Gout is caused by hyperuricemia, which causes sodium urate crystals to build up in the joints. High levels of uric acid may be caused when the body makes too much uric acid, the kidneys aren't getting rid of enough uric acid fast, uh, a diet full of uric acid, which is meat, beans, seafood, alcohol, mm -hmm. um, or past medical history just predisposes yeah. you to that, like the, the usuals, yeah. high, diabetes, hypertension, high cholesterol, heart disease. The cause of the buildup of CPPD crystals in pseudogout is not really known. Mm -hmm. And it is thought to be caused by thyroid problems and perhaps some genetics. Mm -hmm. So the cause is both different. Gout is more common in men than women until about the age of 60. And men who are 40 to 50 years are at higher risk. Oh, no. I know. Ayya. Mm -hmm. hmm. Are you letting them know how old you are? Well, I'm not out of the dark zone. <laughs> but I'm in the light zone. Yes, you are. <laughs> Women typically get gout after menopause. <laughs> Don't even look at me. <laughs> He's going to have a really good laugh at that. Thank you very much. I, I, he just he totally, just glanced right at me. Totally not scripted. I didn't even want to look at you when I you know. said that. Yeah. Because I had just done the 40 to 50 thing. I know. And it's the next okay. line, of course. It's okay. Just continue, would you? <laughs> Suit. Because, you know, I am in menopause, so I do get grouchy. So continue. I can't even read. <laughs> Pseudogout typically happens after 50 years of age. And in the U.S., almost 50% of people over the age of 50, sorry, 85 have pseudogout. And it's slightly more common in women than men. 
So it's so a little bit different, yeah, right? The younger age, age men yeah. get it. Yeah. Older age, league, women get women. it. Yeah, exactly. And guys get gout. Females get pseudo gout. And gout seems to be younger and pseudo gout older. older. Yeah. Uh, joint. So next point. Joint fluid analysis is helpful. Gout crystals are needle shaped. Pseudo gout crystals are rectangular and look like little bricks. See? Well, it's so cute. I know little bricks. Gout and pseudogout can damage joints, so presenting flare-ups is important. For preventing. Both. Sorry, preventing. What did I say? Presenting. Oh, I don't know. Presenting flare-ups. I don't know. I think preventing this might be This is a flare-up. I present to you. <laughs> um, okay, so preventing flare-ups is important. Treatment for gout and pseudogout both include anti-inflammatories. Gout is also treated by lowering high levels of uric acid in the blood. Diet and lifestyle changes can lower uric acid in the blood, which may prevent gout. Limiting, as I said before, red meat, shellfish, reducing alcohol use, especially beer. So wine is okay. Apparently. Everyone, wine is okay. Avoid soda or any beverages that contain fructose sugar. Mm. Avoid soda. That kind of is a very 50s word, I feel like. Pop? Yeah, I think we call it pop. Okay, more soda pop? I think in the U.S. they call it soda more. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. We say pop, I think. Yeah. Pseudogout is more difficult to prevent as the exact cause of the crystals aren't known. So yeah. it's hard to prevent what you don't know. Yeah. So in conclusion, gout and pseudogout have very similar joint symptoms. However, the causes, treatment, and prevention for these arthritic conditions are different. And clearly, you are at more risk of getting gout, and I am more at risk of getting pseudogout. You're right. I know. Isn't and, that interesting? And we're right now going to push pause. So we can find out so if that you, you can take can it. Google the Yeah. I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. But if I'm wrong, you'll soon know. You'll know in the next, well, it'll probably be five minutes for us, but in podcast land, it will be about one second. Okay. We're entering, we're inserting some sound effect here. (laughs) There we go. Yes. Uh, So we took about five minutes out Mm -hmm. of the real world. Yes. And you just had some weird merge into right now. Yeah, Because we... Looked it up and did some research. So, allopurinol is started two to three weeks after your first gout attack. So, they yeah. don't start it right when you're having your first gout attack. Yeah, because you've just been diagnosed, right? Like, right. so usually the. So, they get you Because you don't that know it pre gout, right? Like yeah. that pre gout phase, nobody knows you have gout. So, the first time you have gout, we've diagnosed it and then we don't start the. We'll treat the flare up. Yeah. Then we'll. Start it two start to three weeks. Allopurinol. Yeah. Which. Yes. Will quickly dissolve some of those uric acid mm-hmm. crystals, which will then move further down the line because they're now smaller. Yes. And 75% of people will then have another gout attack. Yes, on allopurinol. When they first start taking allopurinol. Yeah, exactly. So that's an interesting thing to know. I know. But then we don't stop the allopurinol. No. And with every subsequent gout attack, we yeah. don't stop the allopurinol. No. We, in fact, tell people to go to their doctor. Yes. Where they may decrease lower the dose, the dose yeah. keep the dose, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. the recommendations that we found is, yeah, you don't stop taking it all together. Yeah. But there may need to be some tinkering depending on, again, the actual patient and what's yeah. actually happening. So. And really what you're trying to do is not have that inflammation kind of inflammatory process keep going. Because there's more right. damage to your tissues if you maintain that inflammation. So that's kind of why they want you to not stop it, I guess. Because... Yeah. You know, you're just setting your recovery back um, and having more damage to the joint itself. So that's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. 
So many Just to were let wrong. you know, I was wrong. Many I'm sorry. Wrong. I thought you weren't supposed to take it, but there you go. I we're knew gonna, there was something. Well, we're going to write this down because I don't think you've actually ever been wrong. Oh, for heaven's sakes. I've been wrong many times. Yeah, she has. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's it yes. for this month. Yes. And, and resolution time. So hold me to it. It's about accountability, folks. All right. All right. See you later. Bye, guys. Bye. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education, www.prneducation.ca.